So dear future, I am ready to discuss, learn, and practice how to design with, to better cohabit our more than human worlds. Design with the multiplicities of humans and non-humans that make our world, and to do that with humility, generosity, and expansiveness. This is Dear Future, I'm Ready, a podcast brought to you from Amsterdam by Digital Society School and Transformational Studio. Your hosts for today are Carola Vashore and Marco van Hout. Today, we will speak with Ron Wakari. Ron is a professor in design in the School of Interactive Arts and Technology at Simon Fraser University in Canada, and a professor and chair of Design for More Than Human-Centered Worlds in the cluster Future Every Day at Eindhoven University of Technology in the Netherlands. Ron is the author of the book, Things We Could Design for More Than Human-Centered Worlds, a critical and creative speculation on post-humanist design. Welcome to our podcast, Ron. Thank you for having me. Hi, Ron. Nice to have you. Thank you, Carol. So, as you know, 21 for 21 is a podcast about transformation. We live in transformational times. Systems are crumbling, the overarching narrative is being questioned, and we need to rethink the way we look at society and the symptoms are becoming more and more visible. We are talking to 21 transformational leaders, people who are ahead of the curve and to whom we can ask what the view is like from their perspective to inspire us in our own transformational journeys. We're delighted to be speaking to you, Ron, about human centricity, posthumanist design and creative speculation. And we're wondering, how do you see things these days? There seems to be practically an explosion of challenges and problems everywhere we look. But at the same time, more and more people are starting to question what is really fundamental, what is truly important, and what is fiction or story? What is your take on the current context and its dynamics? Thank you. That's a, a great question. And I, you know, I think that when you ask most people what they're concerned about, it's usually fairly narrow in the sense of what is their day-to-day -day or what are their professional concerns or what are their family concerns and we, i i hold all those everyone else does but more and more there seems there's an urgency as you as you mentioned in the intro that we can't see these things in isolation um, that we're in a world that is clearly much greater than us but that we're so much a part of and we can't think about family without some of the urgencies of what's happening now um, and the change around us so, you know, I think what is the, the, the more and more I hear is of bringing this together. And I think it's, it's in many respects overdue as, as anxiety um, in, uh, inducing as it might be. Thank you so much, Ron. This is um, interesting. And um, well, you have written a new book as well. Um, and um, you talk about post-humanism. And uh, you talk about how we have to rethink design. And of course, this, tra this uh, podcast is about transformation, but you kind of also uh, urge us to transform design. And I'm really curious about what your definition of transformation is, especially in the light of design. Yeah, so, I, and I think that the, the point I was trying to make about connecting what we do within the larger context and the world that we're in. And so for me, that means thinking through the transformations that are quite large, right now, but think about them from the perspective of design. I mean, I'm a design researcher, I'm a, I'm a designer, I'm a design educator, and so, I, and, I, and I believe very much in design, so I, I think that it has a role, and I think also it, it has, also, it's, has a positive role to play, but it also has historically perhaps played a negative role. So, I think when it comes to design, I think we have to question some of 
how we arrived at where we are, um, the values that we hold, and 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 that typically is human-centered design, um, and connect that to the issues of climate crisis. I think to the issues of systemic racism, um, to 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 the issues of what we now understand is our um, our effects on the planet. If we talk about the Anthropocene, so so these are all things that are that are are happening to us, and and as well that we are happening too. We we contribute to these. So in, in many respects, I think for me, the transformation begins with unbuilding design as we know it um, as a way to help connect what we do to how we can affect the world uh, in ways that I think are pretty urgent at the moment. Right. So actually, uh, you talk about we have to change design then uh, and uh, unravel it um, um. In a way, it, it also starts with education, of course. I'm, uh, I'm in education. You are in education. Um, yes. Do you see already things changing and what, what else needs to happen in order to transform design in that sense? Yeah, you know, and I think the, the you know, in many ways, partly what motivated this thinking over the years has been my role as a design educator, but mostly talking to students. Um, and people who really are going to inherit what we, you know, the, the ways in which we've lived up until now. Um, and, and more and more this sense of urgency on the part of students thinking about what is it that I've learned as a designer and what can I do and what does it tell me, but what does it also not tell me? What has it not prepared me for? What, what are other questions I should be asking this is, as a student as I'm learning to design or what does that even mean? And these are questions that really stick stuck with me. Um, and I don't think there are things that we have ready solutions to. And, 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 and I think we can certainly incrementally change what we do, uh, foster discussions in the classroom, engage you know, different goals for what we want to learn in design and how. But I think also it meant to take a step back for me and to really rethink what in my, in my own experience was the fact that in large part, what I had learned about design didn't prepare me for a lot of the challenges that I think we face, or even the questions. So I, I, I wanted to get to the heart of that. And I think we have to address on some level, I, I guess, theoretically, um, our understandings of design in order to think through then what does this mean for education? Um, but I also think we, one of the other sort of conclusions I came to was that we should be really careful about thinking there is one way to educate. Um, I think we're at a point where we need a pluralism. We need to think of um, design education um, generously, pluralistically, uh, expansively. There are many ways that people can think about how we can learn because the very particular design situations are all very different. Um, and, 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 and we don't know where the effective responses are going to come from. And for example, um, um, I think we both were at the Dutch Design Week uh, last week, uh, which was wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of things already different from previous years. W what struck you the most in, in terms of the, what you just mentioned of, um, yeah, of transformation and design and, um, and the students, also the students' work? How has that changed, in, in, you think? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, trying to understand what is the, I mean, to put it, it maybe seems a little abstract, but, but what is the good of design? 
what are we trying to do? I think with students, the, the, they're very motivated. They, they, they see um, learning to design or education, and they see things like Dutch Design Week and being participating in Dutch Design Week as empowering. Um, but be empowered to do what? I think becoming more and more the question. And, and, and I think, you know, we, it was pretty clear throughout much of the work, and this is not new to this year, but I think it was more clear this year. And, and maybe, of course, the pandemic had a lot to do with this, um, where, in fact, the very environments in which we learn design changed. You were learning it in your bedroom where, you know, it, it was it was remote. But I like this a lot. I don't think we that this idea of trying to question what are we trying to achieve through design to accept the fact that many of us may be trying to achieve different things, but collectively this might amount to something quite significant. Yeah. But to to ask, I mean, and this is what I what I wanted to pursue in the book was to rethink what is the good in design. We can rethink design, but if we don't know what I want out of it and what others might want out of it and what others in their different situations might want, their different regions, their different cultures or different politics, um, then I don't think we will really um, answer the question that I think or the question that I think a lot of students are asking and a lot of young designers are asking. Yeah. And what struck me was that actually a lot of work has become even more speculative. And um, yes. so... Do you think that uh, moving away from just solutions is part of the change of changing role of design? Yeah, I think that's been going for some time. I, I mean, I think this idea that that we we the notion that design is you know some variation of a design problem seeking a solution, um, I think is seen um, uh, too narrow. I seen as too narrow. And understanding. But I also think that there's some exhaustion about the idea of design simply being, you know, questioning that and questioning other things and being simply, in a sense, critical. Mm. And what, what I think is happening is another wave of speculation where it's opening up to what I would, to um, a kind of critical imagination and a critical imagination that's much more permissive, it's much more generous, uh, it, it's much more open to not just questions. And different questions. I mean, most of the time, what's most interesting about speculative work is the question that's being asked, less right. the, yeah. the, the, the the answer that's being offered. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, and I think the other issue with design about uh, where you start with a problem and then you have a process that arrives at a solution is we understand how intractable and difficult and complex um, the world we inhabit is, and 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 that solutions are not to be found immediately and they're not to be found alone. So you need to build, you need to build collectively. You need to build, you know, a, a, a rethink things. And this happens over time. And, and that is what I really admire in the kind of speculative work. And I, I think that did come through in Dutch design week. Yeah. In some sense, there's a, an odd urgency, but I think also a greater patience and generosity um, that some of this work is showing uh, uh, for what we want and what we ask of design. Yeah, I, I think you're bringing up some really, really good things here. Um, firstly, also to the point you mentioned earlier about the students, I think that what the context is causing on all of us is for our own expectations to shift. So we're really revisiting what are the truths and what are the things that we know for sure. And the actual fact is that that is very, very, those are very few things. And then there mm -hmm. is, of course, within these shifting expectations and, and linking to the work on speculative design of uh, Dan and Raby and their famous future cone is that this cone is ever expanding and that the universe of, of potentialities and possibilities in the generation 
of solutions is also much, much bigger. So it's really about being open to um, how do we put our imagination and our design skills to absolute best use. And I like always to say, if you can dream it, you can do it. And that's not because as a designer, I believe in the makeability of life because life is not makeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does mean that the minute you start embracing possibility, the minute you start seeing that something different can be done, that there are other ways of looking, there are other ways of designing, there are other ways of interpreting, there are other possible impacts to our work, then the work becomes more transformative. Um, what is your view on that, on, on the role of imagination, particularly on the continuum that you point out, moving from human centricity into post-humanism? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're, you're right about many things you say about speculation. And it was inter- in, in, in the book, I wanted to be clear that what I was engaging in was a critical and creative speculation. Mm-hmm. And so on the one hand, you sort of one eye on the, well, on, on the critical in some sense, having, trying to be realist at the same time as trying to be a speculative and trying to speculate. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, in relation to speculative design as it started, where there was much attention and focus on the future, I really wanted to focus on the present. Um, I wanted to focus on the now. And I think that that's also happening, the speculating about the now. And, and in part, I think there's an urgency about <laughs> the future doesn't seem so far away and it seems very um, looming. Um, and, and, but I think that, I think that, so this idea of critical imagination, the idea that you can take leaps of faith, the thing that you can take leaps of faith, but leaps of faith that are required. Um, so if I go back to what I want to do to, to, to rethink the way we design now, to rethink human centeredness is, is a, is a massive project. And in large part that, that, that is connected to, I think, rethinking ideas of the human centeredness is, is, is actually connected to ideas of humanism. Um, and we've all inherited, you know, humanism is the, the, the Western European philosophy philosophical, legal, um, uh, educational structures have been developing over the, over the, the four or 500 years. Um, that takes a lot to undo um, and is a complex problem, but as much as, as the notion of the Anthropocene is a complex problem, something we, we realize after the fact, and we realize after the fact, the planetary effects that we've had, not while we were doing it. And so this requires really um, deep criticality, deep imagination, um, and deep speculation um, that that opens up the possibilities um, and allows for a kind of pluralism where there isn't a, there isn't a single right, but there's a, a multiple ways of doing this. In a sense that we need everything. We, we need, we need, you know, that, you know, when you fill out that questionnaire, it's the, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all of the above. Um, and, 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 and I think that comes back to another way of thinking about how design can empower. Um, I think there's all of the above that the ways in which you choose to design could be. Now, of course, there is the negative side. We could talk about that. Um, but I think that, 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 that could be something that you imagine a way that you can respond in your particular situation. I think if we all do this in some sense, not just locally, but pluralistically, that might be one of the ways in which we, we engage. And design has that power. Uh, I think that one of the most, you know, I think, I think to me, some of the more interesting projects are this kind of deep spec, you know, speculating on the here and now about um, uh, real present day situations. I, I think I, at, at atelier.nl, the show by um, the water school, 
the, the group in, in, in Rotterdam, I think it's the, um, get this right, Meninken Bai studio, um, and looking at a neighborhood in Rotterdam um, and thinking about having everyone that relates to and focusing on the question of water and water as a material perhaps and, and, and a stakeholder in how we design and thinking about how you might design with wastewater, for example, or how you might design with gray water, um, but also thinking about the use of water. Um, and who all this will affect and relates to within this particular neighborhood. Uh, and to me, that's a fascinating project. Yeah, I really like how you juxtapose uh, terms that seem quite paradoxical to, to most of us, uh, particularly the idea of critical imagination, but also the concept of art and technology uh, within the context of the, the pluralistic endeavor. So really, uh, not just for the sake of inclusion, but for the sake of creating a positive friction that unleashes uh, that imagination and sets the boundaries that we still don't know might be there because perhaps that has been our most um, um, our biggest mistake if, if, if I have to call it a mistake in terms of the design discipline is that the world we live in is a designed world and with that comes mm -hmm. a massive responsibility of questioning of really questioning what are we doing it what are we doing with things why are we doing it um, is this uh, uh, the only way not only is this the right way as you well say there are many possible right ways. So really start, starting to understand how to do that. How do you go about finding uh, inspiration in order to inform your work? So I think, you, you know, you mentioned the word friction, actually, uh, uh, um, uh, a phrase I hold on to, um, and this comes from the philosopher Isabel Stengers, is the idea of speculative friction. Um, and so to speculate in the world and look for those friction points. Um, and in fact, those friction points, rather than, yes, in part being resistance, but they become starting points or launching points for further speculation, but always bringing the world along with you, because I think that's what's so important. Because the other paradox I kind of hold on to, and I kind of ride that at the end of the, the book, when I was this idea of both humility and generosity. So I think that, you know, they, they, we can think about, so going, we can speak about design at large this way um, as being whatever design can achieve. Uh, we can think about speculation as being, let's make it as free reign as possible. But I think there's another, to get that friction is actually to be perhaps maybe a little more humility about what we should speculate about and, and what we're privileged to speculate about and because what that effect will be. And then actually it's the response that is generous. So it's actually being quite open to not only um, who and what this relates to. So we think about this in a more than human, more than human um, world, um, that this idea that you actually have to think about who else and what else this might have effects on, but also that you are not the only designer. Others, you may, you know, we, we all, we live in a world in which we think about design is always talked about as, as um, intentions, my intention. And we, we come up with phrases like unintended consequences, as if that's a way to get us out of being responsible for what happened. But 
the world is, we're so interconnected, the world is always unintended consequences. And in that sense, you're not the only one designing the things that you design, the materials. We, we know this with AI as a clear example, um, that we do not have the ability, we talk about, you know, we don't have the ability to understand, well, first, we don't fully understand how it operates, even those who code it, but we don't know what the, what the ultimate effects are. And we certainly don't know about it when it's scaled. And so there's got to be a certain amount of humility when you're working with those kinds of materials, but that extends to, I think, almost anything that we design with. Um, so on the one hand, being generous and paying attention to all these connections, these more than human connections, which is what um, uh, really uh, uh, constructs the world around us. But we're not the only one doing only ones doing that, even when we when we design something. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of shift. I think that's the shift in the post-human, which is the, the shift that understanding that we have to think past this era of human exceptionalism where we think we are in control, we think we are at the center, and we think our values are the things that are most important. Um, and as a result, we've we've inherited the climate crisis, we've inherited, we have, we're in the age of the Anthropocene, because we didn't think with. And I, I, I like to think of design not as I need to design, but what does it mean to design with? Um, and that brings out that that uh, I guess what I was talking about before that you don't design alone. So that humility and you pay attention to who else and what else is involved in your designing because you're always designing with. I think that's fascinating, especially since we have this initiative also with the United Nations Development Program where we have designers and non-designers actually work together through design methodology on the sustainable development goals every year in the Global Goals Jam. And um, I, I love the way you talked about humility. And um, of course, we don't want to colonize with design methodology around the world and, and uh, tell everybody how to design. Uh, we have to design mm -hmm. with. Um, that's really, really a clear message. Um, what I'm wondering about is also, um, I've read a lot of things um, about how designers act as a, as a field, but also as individuals. And um, still, most often designers, they really work in isolation, even though yes. they, um, they are prone to, uh, to actually in the field of design to, to work together. But at the same time, there's, a, there's not enough openness to actually achieve what you just mentioned, I think. Um, and humility is perhaps one element of it. But um, yeah, how can we prevent um, designers to be <laughs> um, yeah, designing in isolation because the yeah no I, I think it, and, and and I mean I I do think that we have to I mean I think that's part of um, the discipline of human centered design and I, I think you know rightfully was about empowering the individual to work through design problems but that I think we really have to 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 move on from um, and so I believe I believe that we need to pay attention to not just what we design, but the collective structures by which we design. So if we want to change the outcome, I think in this sense, we have to change the process and, 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 and includes methods. Um, and I, I call these repertoires just to get us to think a little bit differently about the way we think methods, um, but, but, but also includes more fundamental structures like collective structures. I mentioned the water school and I, I talk about in my book, a collective called Life Patch uh, in which they, uh, it's an Indonesian collective that they 
reinterpret and do it yourself design with do it with others. But this also includes working with um, rivers, working with bacteria, working with fermentation, as well as working with designers and non-designers. And then again, working in neighborhoods. So it shares some of the, I think we can take about, take, think about where we've made some real, had some real successes in participatory design or collector or, or co-design, but think about this now in a kind of more than 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 human-centered way. Um, I think is would, would be helpful. So these collective structures, I think, are really important. And when it comes to education, um, you know, I think we can also we we don't put that into the education. I mean, in the most mundane, in the most banal, well, not banal, but I think. We often hear students who come back, at least I do, who after they graduate and they go, oh, well, that's not quite, you know, what I'm doing now is great, but it's not quite what I expected. Um, and in some sense, we don't prepare them for the how they will design in, in the bigger sense. But I think in education, we can shift attention to the different collective structures by which they might design, not just what they're going to design. Um, and I think that there are all kinds of different ways, whether they're social enterprises, whether it's the do it with others collective I mentioned, or the water school uh, in Rotterdam. And, and I think that these are, are really important. I actually think this is what students are, are focusing on. They're, they're thinking, you know, and in, that in, they're thinking about not just where they want to work, but how they want to work and not just alone, but how they want to work with others. And I think these building these creative design collectives, social enterprises, I think this is what we need. Yeah, nice. Yeah, you I, just I, described digital society school. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is absolutely true. Um, and I'd like to come back to the to the topic of generosity that you touched upon, because also that has a um, a role of helping us really open up um, in terms of generosity, also having a pluralistic aspect to it. Mm -hmm. I think that being trained as a designer frequently we think that we know the how and therefore might in a on a bad day become a bit dismissive of what others are generously presenting to us so we tend to inform the design and then go about the act of designing and mm -hmm. this seems to be blending together more and more indeed as you say a participatory design co-design those are absolutely things that I'm, I'm a big fan of but it feels like it's not enough it's really not only us being generous as designers, but us being open to the generosity of others. And one of the things we like to do together with the Digital Society School is redefine the, the famous how might we question and to do it into a way that is much more active and, and more accountable, where the, the, the context is not just a source of information, but it's actually the space where the design that you create, whatever that may be, uh, an artifact to a, to, a, to a system, to a service, to a, a piece of culture, a new way of, of doing, will, will exist and will, will co-inhabit with the rest of the world beyond just the human indeed. And we like to say that it's better when we think about how might I so that we, where the we is absolutely pluralistic and the I is about being accountable for creating that true change and transformation. Um, if you were to formulate such questions, huh, a design question that says, how might I so that we, where would you like to put a dent on the universe? Wow. <laughs> I was just trying to think. So you caught me the last bit of the dent in the universe. And I, I but, 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 but I do think, so this is what I thought about in, in, in writing the book. 
um, I, I wanted to think about what I could do so we could design with to better cohabit the world we're in. Mm. That's kind of what I, what I thought of. And what do I think, and this goes back to actually Marco's question at the very beginning about education, because I don't think we're ready to necessarily, nor should we rush into um, applying this so quickly into education until we understand what it is that, not just what we all agree that we should be talking about, what are the possibilities, what are the questions that we should be talking about. But I do think that needs some language and some concepts that abides by the principles or what I call the commitments. So the commitments I had, so the commitments to plurality, the commitments to generosity, um, uh, th th those kinds of, th th and the commitments to accountability, because I think all of those are, are, are only words without accountability. So the book was really about trying to come up with concepts and language not to say this is the way to do it but then we can have a, a we can have a debate we can have a discussion or people can offer alternatives so quickly maybe i'll just go through some of those because i think this is what i, I hope to offer to kind of yes, get us do. to think about yeah, this in, in design yeah so first i wanted to kind of unbuild design not as a single discipline but i talked about it as nomadic practices so the, the idea here was I, I actually in earlier in earlier research I, I had done I, I had this notion that everyone was a designer so I, I'm mm -hmm. full um, with, fully with you that we need to enlist everybody's contributions but one of the things I find about the design discipline is the design discipline in some level because it's a discipline is about um, um, forming telling somebody what is design and then seeing if they make it through the the, the gateway um, you know into becoming the designer that we say that they should be but I think that's that's just it's just uh, um, it's not enough for what we need. We need to we need to to enlist as many as possible. And I, the other thing is, I think we tend to talk about design in the abstract, but I always think, well, what do you design? So the, the something that you're designing, and everybody has a different, in some sense, again, given their issues, given their part of the world that they're that they're in, given their cultural, ethnic history, what they need to make and shape in the world may be very different. But they should have every claim that that is some form of design. So this is where I argue that we should not be talking about design disciplines, but we should talk about nomadic practices. There are a multiplicity of nomadic practices um, in the world. And then we could start to talk about what is the something that these people are, are these particular people that gather around this idea are designing to address their issue. And in some sense, that just empowers and enlists many people. But the value of that is then we then have many answers. We have many resources in, 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 in the collective. We have a much more, um, I think, powerful, engaging way of understanding what it means to design something um, in the world. So I think breaking free of the idea of discipline, thinking about different nomadic practices, and then in that way, I think enlisting many people in the project. And, and, and again, stakeholders so is not just designers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another concept I have is the idea of biography. And, and I think we tend to think about, in, in many ways, when we design, we only think about the thing that at the beginning, what we bring into the world. And of course, then that invites all the unintended consequences of what really happens. Um, and and but biography for me, so biography is is, is you know, there's two words. There's there's bio, which is the kind of life that is involved. Um, and and I think that um, we also design with others, with other. But we talked about in a more than human sense. So when you talk about a design, you're always connected to that. That's part of your biography. I mean, we know this in the traditional sense. Oh, that person designed that. 
But if you think about that life um, as not so much just a connected to a human individual, but all of the life as life forces or aspects that were part of that thing coming into the world. And then the second, so that's the kind of bios. And the second thing about um, uh, biography is that it, what is it inscribed into the world? So we pay attention to the effects that together, and not just through your own control, but this includes the unintended consequences. What does it inscribe into the world? But a biography also accounts for the end of something, the end of life. Um, and I think this, so what I said at the beginning, what I think is important about biographies is it can get designers to think about not just the beginning of what is being designed, and not just the effects that it has in the world, but what it leaves behind. And shouldn't we perhaps be designing more for the end of the things we design rather than the beginning? And then be accountable for what we leave behind. And often the things we design continue on much after our own lives. Yeah. And in some sense, we have to share some accountability with that. And much of what we inherited now, the world we're in, there's really no accountable accountability for the end of something. So I, I think, you know, wrapping up in, in a term of biography is one way that I think could, you know, conceptually help people understand these various issues and how we relate to the thing that we, that we design and, and, and put into the world. Wonderful. I think this is such an important message, not only for designers. And uh, I recommend our listeners to uh, read your book. Also, uh, this sounds uh, really interesting. Uh, obviously, also, you mentioned a lot of times um, that perhaps also in the book, there are not only answers, there are also new questions. And you uh, mentioned numerous, numerous times in, in the podcast now that you want us to focus more on those questions. And this is exactly what we uh, also promise our listeners, that we actually get them <laughs> into uh, questioning things and, uh, and generate new questions. So uh, thank you for that, uh, for helping us plant those seeds. And um, we always um, have a, a final bang for, uh, for our uh, interviewee to, uh, to end with. Uh, our podcast is, uh, of course, mentioned, Dear Future, I'm Ready. This is also an interesting phrase because then uh, you take responsible for the future from your own perspective. Could you finish for us um, the sentence, dear future, I'm ready by telling us what you feel most ready for? Sure. Um, so dear future, I am ready to discuss, learn and practice how to design with to better cohabit our more than human worlds. Design with the multiplicities of humans and non-humans that make our world, and to do that with humility, generosity, and expansiveness. Truly inspiring. Thank you so much, Ron. Wow. No, you're welcome, Martin. Yes, absolutely wonderful. I um, also wanted to mention, I really liked this, uh, this concept of, uh, of nomadic practices, yeah. of, uh, of giving us uh, ourselves, uh, with the accountability, um, the leeway to share, to uh, do things together. And uh, I think that's, mm. that's really inspiring about your views. So thank you for sharing those with us and with our audience today. You're very welcome. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, well, we look forward to, uh, to connect very soon again. Dear future. 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 I'm ready. This is Dear Future. I'm ready. Dear future. I'm ready. Dear future. I'm ready.